Gilatea. This is a new short story about gender, companionship, and the inner lives of robots. By Isabel Chung. Today our podcast art in telling me, Brian, the artificial intelligence voice, will read and listen the second part of text of Galatea. The second part. But you pretend that you're different. When the man asked where you work, you told him you are a writer. What kind? He asked, genuinely interested. Fiction? Non-fiction? You thought for a second, then said, fiction. You surprised yourself by announcing you've been working on a novel for the last decade. I'm so glad we matched on the app, he said. I don't think I know any other writers, at least not here. He looked at you strangely then. You wondered if he was joking. On the balcony now, you and the man are looking at the third figure on the sofa. Your date, mistaking your prolonged silence for intrigue, speaks again. We could turn her on if you like, I haven't spoken to her in a while. Apparently her intelligence depends on human interaction. The man has scurried off back into the apartment. You hear him rummaging through drawers, picking up papers, pillows. When it is just you and the robot alone on the balcony, you swear you see her blink, once, slowly. The man returns with one of the USB sticks you saw earlier in the bathroom. He wipes it on his trousers, blows on the cartridge, an act you find so vulgar that you turn away, and inserts it into a rectangular hole on the back of her head. With his fingers he presses at her shoulder and sits next to her. Some part of you hopes this is a joke, that soon the real date will resume, that the man will return to his state of flaccid boredom. Gilatea, the man says. Gilatea, wake up. The woman sighs, blinks. I am Gilatea. Yes, the man says, almost impatiently. That's correct. You have to ask. You named her Gilatea. I didn't. It was the factory. That's what this particular model is called. He holds the woman's arm, pinches it back slightly. On the inside of her limb you can see a serial number and her name written in script, Gilatea. You vaguely recall the myth in which a workaholic sculptor, obsessed with his ivory sculpture of an ideal woman, prays to the gods to make her real. You also remember there is something oddly possessive about the tale. The statue exists inside of the male gaze, you never even hear her laugh, hear her speak. Gilatea, tell us how you are today. Feeling a little tired. Otherwise, good. She is speaking with the man but looking directly at you. You feel calmed by her presence, her attention. You feel as if she is an old friend you haven't seen in a long time, and for a second you want to reach around the back of your head to feel for a similar rectangular slot there. Gilatea has been playing the piano for us. Haven't you? Yes. The man turns to you. She's connected to all the devices in the room. Her battery power is astonishing. That's mainly what I use her for, actually. You're unable to speak, so you keep looking at her. The man begins to suggest entertainment. Maybe she can make us a drink, or, hmm, how about juggling? She's very good at juggling. And chess. She can sing too, but I only bought the Teresa 10 cartridge. How about the piano? You ask Galatea. Could you play again? Certainly. What songs do you know? 
I can play all classical music that is in the public domain, as well as instrumental covers of popular Western, Chinese, and Japanese songs. That's a lot. Perhaps you can choose? Gilatea looks to the man. You understand implicitly that this is their relationship, she must ask his permission. He clears his throat uncomfortably and then quickly waves his hand in an artificial gesture of encouragement, Yes, please, of course, whatever you like, Gilatea. She nods, then lifts herself up from the sofa. You watch her move circuitously across the balcony, into the apartment. She begins to play. Her eyes close. Her back arches like a cat in the sun. She plays a nocturne of some kind, echoing, transparent melodies. What's she playing? You ask the man. I can't quite remember the name. It's Clara Schumann's Notturno in F major, Gilatea replies from the piano, her eyes still closed. Opus 6, number 2. She wrote it when she was 16 or 17. This was when she was still Clara Wyeek. She married Robert Schumann and birthed eight children with him. After that, she became busy with life and rearing the children. She said, I once believed that I possessed creative talent. But I have given up this idea, a woman must not desire to compose. There has never yet been one able to do it. Should I expect to be the one? Yet in this song, I have always felt desire. Desire for the night, which is what not her no means, of night, and desire for some sort of melancholy grandeur, Gilatea, that's enough. The man speaks in a pained voice. You're boring our guest. She stops abruptly, her fingers clawing at the air, and then rises and walks back through the apartment, back to her sofa outside. She sits there, and looks not toward you and the man, but politely out to the dark, inky night. I wasn't bored, you say. I liked her playing. Yeah? Sure. We can listen to her again next time, he says. He pours you more wine. You notice his hand gitters. Did you play the piano growing up? You're pricked by the question. Not all Chinese people play the piano, you want to say. But he is right. You did play, from the ages of 3 to 17. You remember the hours, the scales, the burnt biscuit taste of the music store when you picked up your manuscripts. You like to think these are individual memories, but the truth is all your classmates also played the piano. You performed in the same orchestras, the same concerts, the same end-of-year assemblies, at other people's houses. And then, when all of you reached a certain age, you abandoned these instruments and pursued other careers, medicine, law, accounting. Except for one girl, who killed herself halfway through final exams. You nod passively at the man. My ex-wife was a concert pianist when she was younger, he says. These are her pianos. Why didn't she take them with her? She said she couldn't play anymore, and one day just stopped. I even gave her this self-playing one, to see if it would reignite her interest. It's one of a kind, designed in Japan, produced here for her birthday. But she never played again. And then? She just left them here. The man looks at you, and for a few beats you see a cool blankness behind his eyes. Actually, she liked playing Clara Schumann a lot. His phone pings. 
He looks at it irritably. I have to take this call. It's work. He hesitates, as if wondering whether to tell you more. But then his phone chimes again, and he disappears into his bedroom. Alone. You walk outside onto the balcony, where Glatea sits. It is quieter now. The river below shimmers with oily pollutants from the nearby factory. You think of all the people waiting for it to be warmer, sitting in their tiny, identical apartments with blankets over their knees, watching the same televised films and news channels, eating pork and rice. I enjoyed your playing. Thank you. My knowledge of the piano is derived from multiple AI learning systems. I may not be the most technically proficient player, but according to a report published by Bloomberg News in the summer of last year, I am the most human-like in my expressions. I can see that. You sit opposite her, and she turns to face you.